Are you frustrated with your government contracting journey? Do you feel like there's just something missing in your business, but you just can't put your finger on it? Are you finding enough opportunities? Are you struggling to win the few opportunities you do find? Do you have a plan of attack or a strategy for this market? Would you like somebody to review your current approach? Maybe it's time to consider getting a coach. Our team of coaches have helped our clients win over $13.6 billion in government contracts. We've figured out how to help companies just like you accelerate in this market. Market. If you want to find out if coaching is for you, go to federal-access.com forward slash govcon coaching today and fill out a coaching application. I will personally respond to your application and schedule a time for us to talk about your business. There's no cost for the session. There's no obligation. There's no hard sell or anything like that. What I will guarantee you is I will review your top challenges and give you detailed advice. And if coaching makes sense for you, I'll walk through your options. Visit federal-access.com forward slash govcon coaching today to get started. Now let's get into this episode. Welcome to Game Changers for Government Contractors. Game Changers is dedicated to helping you position for and win more government contracts. And now your hosts, Josh and Mike. Hey everybody, glad to have you listening with us today. This is Mike Lejeune, your host for Game Changers for Government Contractors. And we have a really fun guest on today. Uh, we have Dr. Russ Barnes from Sistro Solutions on with us. And he is going to be talking about one of my absolute favorite topics. We're going to be talking about small business fundamentals. And, you know, sometimes people hear fundamentals and they, you know, they yawn or whatever. And I just have to tell you, this is going to be a fun, exciting podcast. This is not one of those you, you want to skip over because the things we're going to be talking about today, again, sometimes when people hear this, they, they kind of cringe because they're like fundamentals. But these are the things that make people money. These are the things that ground your business, make you uh, profitable. And ultimately, if you follow these lessons, there are things you're going to come back to over and over and over again in your business. And that's why it's so important to be talking about this stuff. It's so important for you to be listening to this stuff. And it's so important for me to have my guest on here today, Dr. Russ Barnes. So with that, Dr. Barnes, why don't you take a minute, tell everybody a little bit about who you are and what you do over there. Thanks, Michael. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me on the show. I uh, listened to the episodes that you've done previously, and I'm super excited about what we're going to talk about today because it fits in so well with the journey that I've had coming from uh, the beginning to where I have arrived at at this point. So just quickly, I'm a um, military veteran, 27 years active service, started out as a combat aviator, retired as a full colonel. I had one thing that I wanted to do when I retired, and that was to work for myself. I didn't want to work for anybody ever again. And that's what put me on this path to understanding what it takes to be intentionally and purposefully profitable with your business. Uh, that That is awesome. And, you know, I, I'm a military veteran myself, and I didn't do even remotely 27 years. I did my four years and, and got out. But I totally understand not wanting to ever work for somebody else. I always tell my kids I am going to be the worst employee if I ever had to go back to work. I would be the worst employee because, you know, once you've worked for yourself, it's just a, a totally different world. And so it, it, it's really interesting to see people come out of the military 
and so many of them that start businesses. I, I just I'm always intrigued by that when I look at so many former military people, you know, all these veterans that have their own business now. And so, you know, you've you've had a long military career and to get to that rank you have to be successful you have to have mastered at least the fundamentals of things like you know your body discipline and how you lead and all those kind of things so to see somebody go that far you know you've done a lot of good things right and so you know kudos to you for that just just being in the military for that long and doing what you do and honestly i think it takes a lot of character to take orders for that long. So, so that, that's an interesting thing as well. So I, 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 you know, in my early years, I lacked the character to take a whole lot of orders for, <laughs> for, for very long. That's probably why I only did four years, but you know, kudos to you for doing it and, and serving the country. I, I, I really appreciate that. So, well, there are some interesting things in there. The first thing, well, one of the things you mentioned is I think that veterans are uniquely suited to be entrepreneurs because there there is that uh, circumstance when you're new in the military and you're learning the ropes where people are telling you what to do. But at a point when you begin to uh, progress through your career, you're the one who is actually making the decisions. Mm-hmm. And in many situations, you're put in circumstances where you don't have enough resources, you don't have enough people, you don't have enough experience or background, you don't have any of those basic things that you might need in order to do a job comfortably. So you have to learn to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. You have to learn how to be adaptable, adjustable. You really have to have a certain um, sense of creativity to solve problems in, in, in particular ways that you just don't have all the answers at your disposal. You know, you learn how to make decisions with 80 percent of the information you need because you're never going to have 100 percent. So all of those things translate uniquely to uh, becoming an entrepreneur. And as you co- go through your career, you really develop those skills very well. And I was like you, my intention was to only spend four years and then I was going to get out and make some real money. But it was the leadership that kept me Hmm. in the military for as long as it did, because as I was being trained and taught how to be a leader and I had experiences in leadership and I had the opportunity to find my own feet as it pertained to my personality and, and, and who I was as a leader. It was just fascinating. It was just absolutely fascinating. And almost every other year I tell my wife, it's time for me to get out. I got to get out. I, I, I need to go you know, do something different. Yeah. But, um, but there was always that thing that said, you know what? I need to do this. It's important. Yeah. And, and that kept me on active duty in, in for, for that long. You know? Yeah, no, so. that, that's awesome. And, you know, it, had it paid better, I'd probably have gone as long as you did. I went in enlisted versus... Uh, as an officer. And so uh, it's just a, a little bit different world. But, uh, you know, it, it was it was one of the, the best jobs I've ever had in my life. I was actually in Force 21 down at Fort Hood. Mm-hmm. And everything we did, we were the first soldiers in the world to do for the most part. You know, we're, we're the first ones getting new equipment and different things. I know we're off track here, but, you know, it, it was so such an exciting world. And it's so interesting, and, and here's the flip side of why I even talk about that. It's such an exciting world to see what's going on with the warfighter that I think it's such a natural transition 
for many of us to get out and then serve them on this other side as a contractor. And, and, you know, we speak the language, you know, where I know some, some people would say boys with toys, you know, that you've got all these grown up men that are, you know, playing with tanks and guns. And I, I was fortunate back in the day when like the, the Kiowa warrior and other different helicopters were just coming out and we were testing those and video feeds and UAVs. And it was like a giant video game. On, mm-hmm. on one scale and you know you're you're really getting your hands dirty with that stuff and so you but you really do get a love for the warfighter and so it's a natural transition to want to serve them in this capacity and so you know something interesting that I noticed about your career and when you know you were you and I were setting up this podcast is a lot of people at your level of success in the military get out and either try to become a consultant with a very large firm or like a vice president of a big division or something along those lines. There are very few people like yourself that I see that are attracted to what you call these micro businesses, the smaller folks. And I'm curious if you can help us kind of give us some insight on the connection of, of why you decided to focus on the micro businesses. When I retired, um, I didn't want to go the contractor route because it was it was more scripted. It was mm-hmm. the the one of the things that I wanted to have the ability to exercise was my creativity, uh-huh. and I wanted to go go my own path, and I wanted to do something that I thought was uh, incredibly important. And but I did take a look at the government path and I took a course called business to government and I learned all about GSA schedules. I learned all about, you know, IDIQ. I learned all about everything that had to do with getting into the government contracting game. And it actually made me feel like I'm not prepared to jump into that because one of the things I noticed, I said, before you can do business with the government, you really have to have a business. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't have that at the at that point in time. I just knew that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. So then I set about on the path of saying, what business do I want to have? How do I go about building that company? And how can I become successful? And what that did is it led me into a franchise situation because I said, if I go in this franchise uh, operation, then I can leverage their framework. I can leverage their resources. I can leverage their training. I can test myself and find out whether or not I'm even capable of building a small company and taking it to levels of success that I would um, like to have. And yeah. during that journey, during that whole process, the franchise that I picked was here in the Florida area. I had a territory and the franchise did not have a presence in Florida yet, which was excellent for me because I was actually experiencing what it means to be a startup company. Mm-hmm. I had to establish recognition and visibility in the community. I had to build the customer base from zero up to what it ended up being by the time I sold that territory. And that was a tremendous experience. Along the way, I saw so many business owners struggling with profitability. They were determined, they were dedicated, they were intelligent, they had every asset that they needed to be successful, but yet they weren't making the amount of money that I thought that they could be making based upon their skills. Mm -hmm. And that's what got me uh, on this path to, um, as you mentioned earlier, what what, what I call the pre-profitability phase. 
the Small Business Administration, Small Business Development Center, SCORE, all free resources, all excellent in what they do, but they don't really get to the essence of how to help the small business owner really gain that traction in terms of making money. To take right. advantage of those free resources, what I found out is that you already have to have a fairly solid revenue stream, and then they can help you with how to um, frame the business side of that. But how do you get to that revenue stream? That is what was the big challenge that I set out to solve. Yeah, and you know, that's one of those things where, uh, like you said earlier, a lot to unpack on that one. You know, to me, all of these free resources from the government, they all have a, a use and they all have a place in your cycle of life in business, you know, depending on what stage you are. And to me, uh, sometimes it's earlier, sometimes it's a little later. You'll get some insights, but I, I always tell people, and it's not just because I'm a paid consultant, at some point, you have to pay for help because when you look at a lot of the free stuff in the government, again, it, it, it is, it's government. I, I don't want to try to knock it. There's, there's good, there's bad, all those kind of things. The worst part about all the free stuff is they all have a client load, right? You know, they, they all have a, a huge volume of clients and no one can spend hours with you. That's just not what they're built to do. They're built to give you some quick pieces of advice. And, and I, I hate when people look at a lot of those organizations and think, well, I'm going to go to this agency or that agency and they're going to they're going to write my business plan mm -hmm. or they're going to give me a detailed review of my business plan. There are some people at these business development centers that will do that and they go far above and beyond it's super rare to see them go that in depth it's not their job that's the thing you need to understand if you're listening and you're on the small end of these that's not their job to review your business plan a to z it's not and, and the so, other and the other aspect sorry to interrupt <clears throat> but the other aspect to that is it's hit or miss based upon who you get right <clears throat> Because they are specialized in certain areas, they, they may not be the one who can best help you where you are with exactly. what you have. Exactly. And, mm -hmm. and, and, and that's just, again, it's it's not their job to be a specialist in your area. It's, a, it's their job to do certain things for you. And that's where when you understand what their role is in your business, then then you can understand where they can help and then where you need help, you know, where you need paid help. Because to me, that's a switch that a lot of people don't understand is at some point you've got to step up and get some help. You know, you and, and it makes sense from an entrepreneur's mindset that at some point you've got to pay people to be on your payroll to do certain jobs. Mm -hmm. Well, when it comes to getting help from a consultant, a coach, whatever you want to call them, it makes sense to have that on your payroll too, but a lot of people don't want to do that. And so I, I just wanted to clear that up before we dive too deep in there. There's a lot of good value from those places. I definitely see that, but it has a place in time. And then people like, you know, Dr. Barnes and I, there's a place in time for us in, in your right. life cycle here. So, you know, so let's get into the heart in, in, of this and really talk about fundamentals because I, I, as I talked about in the intro here, to me, the fundamentals are what make most companies. And you talk about pre-profitability and, and I just chuckle at that because there's so many people that get in and think, 
oh, well, you know, I see so many overnight successes. And it's like, you know, if you talked to those people, you would hear that overnight success took them years. Yes. It it took years to get to overnight success. (laughs) Even when we talk about some of the, the really talented people in like movie and singing industry and those types of things, you know, when you get to them, people are like, where did this singer come from? And they're like, wow, you know, they've just shot it out from nowhere. I guarantee you that person has spent 10, 12, 15 years honing their craft to get to a moment where they could springboard into success. And so that's where a lot of people, to me, they, they don't have the patience to understand how long overnight success is really going to take. But there, there's so many fundamentals to unpack. And so I just I want you to, to kind of maybe unpack some of those. What have, what have you learned about the fundamentals and kind of what you teach and work with your clients on? And maybe you can kind of kind of kick us off on that. As I was trying to understand what was missing from the services that were available, it it took me down a path to look at other experiences that I'd had where I was able to become successful. And I started out with my experience as an athlete. And I said to myself, as an athlete, and let's take basketball in particular, if I couldn't dribble, pass, and shoot, I couldn't play the game. So that prompted me to ask the question, what is it that a business owner absolutely must be able to do in order to effectively play the game of business? And I started Mm. drilling down and drilling down and drilling down into those things. And it actually drove me into the uh, PhD program because I really needed to get a larger uh, connection to people who had been doing these organization design types of things for a long time. So here's what I here's what I came up with as I um, began to do this research and I studied 75 business owners who had started with zero and built their companies to $100 million in annual revenue or more. And I focused in on that pre-profitability stage that we've been talking about. And in a nutshell, there were three things that every single one of those business owners did, and that was part of the criteria for me to uh, to assess them as a business fundamental. These business fundamentals were connected directly to profitability and growth. They had to be teachable and learnable by anybody, regardless of personality, experience, and background. And then the the final criteria was they had to be common sense. So when you hear these fundamentals, you're going to say to yourself, oh, everybody knows that. These are not new or different. But the reality of it, Michael, was very few business owners actually use those as their anchor point. And when things get chaotic, go back to these fundamentals and make sure that those fundamentals are functioning effectively in their company. Mm. So let me tell you what they are. So the first one, the first business fundamental, number one, is selling. And there's a differentiating between selling and sales. It's not about going out and becoming good at closing or persuading people to buy something that they don't necessarily need or want at this particular time. What it is is about identifying that win-win situation where you you, you understand their painful problem and you are making a purposeful engagement for the purpose of getting them to purchase your solution because it solves their problem. And that does a little bit more for you than just making money, 
what it does for you is it under, helps you to understand your community and your collective community. And when you understand that, then your marketing comes into play and that's where you can scale and grow your company. So don't avoid that, that idea of selling, but also really understand what it takes to sell. And selling is not painful when you have the right perspective. Mm -hmm. So that's yeah. business fundamental number one. Number two is cultivating relationships. When you go out networking, so many people just collect business cards, but they aren't intentional in meeting the people who they need to know to get over that next stage. One of the things that stops us from progressing in our companies is that we hit a point where there's something we need to know and we don't know how to get to that thing. We have two avenues. We could either learn it ourselves or we could connect with someone who already knows that. In that sense, cultivate those relationships and then you'll be able to get past that point. And then the last one is research. It's about figuring things out. It's about resourcefulness. And if you don't develop the skill of being able to find information when you need it, then you're also going to be able to, you won't be able to overcome those obstacles. So in the pre-profitability stage, when things get chaotic and you're in crisis, ask yourself, what am I selling? Who am I selling it to? How am I selling it? That's business fundamental number one. Number two, am I connected with the right people to help me? And as you mentioned, coaches and consultants, I may need to go out and, and, and hire a coach to help me understand this environment so that I can more rapidly accelerate my progress. And then business fundamental number three, am I able to be resourceful because I know what my sources and my contacts are and I know where to find the information I need in order to make it to the next stage? Yeah, so, go ahead. So that's it, that, those are the, the three basic fundamentals that I've come up with for someone in the pre-profitability stage. And I teach those from the, from the framework of strategy and organization you know, within that mm. framework of strategy and organization. So it's just, it's such a powerful thing um, that I just really want to see business owners, especially small business owners, get a grasp on those things. And I'm also interested in, in, in opening the dialogue and having conversation with people who say, well, what about this? Well, what about that? Well, why this instead of that? Well, you know, and, and I've had those conversations and I love them. Mm. Yeah. You know, I, I, yeah, I love those conversations too. And there's, there is a, a lot to unpack on this one as well. You know, mm -hmm. to me, the, the fundamentals you, you mentioned here are all spot on, you know, mm -hmm. especially I always tell people selling covers up a lot of mistakes, you know, sales, yeah. Yeah, yeah, selling sales. It just covers up so many mistakes. So if you don't understand some things, mm -hmm. it's okay. If you just go out and sell. You know, if you go out and well, I tell people all the time, keep filling your pipeline. Yes. Keep keep filling the pipeline, no matter what, no matter how many people are rejecting you today. Keep filling the pipeline. You'll mm -hmm. figure it out. And, you know, there the, one of the things that I see from a lot of entrepreneurs early on is it, it's sort of a fear, I guess, where they they hesitate at every move and mm -hmm. anytime they get any sort of rejection they think about mm -hmm. well let me go back and try to figure out what i'm doing wrong and and i'll ask questions like so how many people have rejected you and they're like one mm -hmm. two or five or whatever i'm like until you've been rejected you know 50 60 200 times you may not be doing anything wrong 
Now, see, Michael, here's where I encourage the small business owners to shift their mindset just slightly. If you have a conversation with someone and they reject you, then there's a reason. And it's because you have not effectively connected with the painful problem that they're experiencing and help them understand how your solution can help them solve their problem. And I'll give you I'll take this back a little bit more. When I went into business, I went into business to solve my own problems. I didn't want to work for anybody ever again. I wanted to make money to replace the income that I had lost. I wanted to be able to express my own ideas and have no one tell me no. But nobody's going to pay me for that. The only thing people are going to pay me for is for me helping them solve their painful problems. So as you're in this selling mode, when you engage with that potential customer or client and you have that conversation and they give they're they're not actually rejecting you. They're giving you feedback Mm -hmm. on the from the sense that you haven't really convinced me that you can solve my problem. And maybe it's that you haven't even let them know that you understand their problem. Right. So, so when you get that rejection, and believe me, I've been through it a lot, yeah. then you take that lesson and say, why was I unable to connect with them? And now you change your, your approach. And after you've done that time after time after time, you'll begin to understand how to communicate in a way that initially makes that connection, and I guarantee you, your close rate will shoot through the roof. Yeah, no, I agree. I, and I think there's probably um, one of the, the hardest parts when you're first starting your business is really getting, and I hate to use this word, but I'm going to use it, your pitch down. You know, mm-hmm. like what mm-hmm. what the real value of your company, how you help mm-hmm. your clients. You know, that that's a real struggle for a lot of people. Yes. And I talk to companies that have been in business for 20 years that struggle mm-hmm. with that. And mm-hmm. they'll tell me, hey, this is what what we do. And I'm like, yeah, I have no idea what you do. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the, you're not effectively communicating your value at all. Right. And so, you know, that's one of the things we have to figure out. But I, I think there's there's probably a point where you get 80 percent of that down and the other 20 percent comes from reading people and mm-hmm. really understanding the person that's sitting in front of you, because yes, your solution will help everybody that has that problem, but at what stage are they at with their problem? Have they Mm -hmm. even identified that they have a problem yet? Do they, do they already have a vendor they're happy with? And you've got to overcome that by stealing a client, you know, I mean, there, there's some challenges there and I think they can solve about 80% of them. And then it's that 20% that becomes kind of the art of doing sales where Mm -hmm. they're actually reading the person and customizing and crafting the solution based on body language, words, whatever it may be. But just getting to that 80% is a challenge in like you call it the pre-profitability stage for these micro businesses where a lot of times we can't get them to get out there and communicate, talk to people to fill the pipeline because again, I see it a lot of times where one rejection totally sends them into a tailspin. 
Right. And and they're like, I, I've got to change my whole outlook on life and business to before mm-hmm. I go back out there. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You know, maybe maybe you need to tweak some things, but, you know, you don't need to rewrite your whole website because, you know, one client rejected you. It's, yeah, it's it's not that it's not that critical today. So, yeah, y- but I, I really I really can't emphasize enough that it really starts with the understanding of the um, the problem that mm-hmm. you saw that you're solving. Because I had one client that I was working with and he kept telling me over and over, he goes, if they just understand, they don't understand, you know, this, this, they don't understand their problem. So they don't understand how valuable my solution is. And I had to say to him after, after a point, I said, look, I said, if they don't recognize that they have a problem, they don't have a problem. That's right. And they're not going to buy from you a solution to a problem that they don't think they have. So, you know. Shift your mind uh, just a little bit and think about um, as you are having this conversation and engaging, you are you are in that research mode to say, is this painful and urgent? And is it painful and urgent enough for you to take money out of your pocket to pay me for my solution? So really focus in and hone on identifying and finding out if that person has that problem. And for me. Um, in my business, once I understood what problem I was solving, and then I started to communicate with people about that problem, when they had it, their, like you said earlier, their whole body language shifted. Mm-hmm. And then as we started to get into the potential path moving forward, you know, my close rate is pretty much around 80, 90 percent. Yeah. You know, once you learn how to communicate effectively, yes. you know, that that just changes the game so right. significantly. And, right. you know, what, what I always tell people is I, you know, just the quick story here. I've told mm-hmm. it on game changers a few times where, mm-hmm. you know, when I first started out in business, I didn't know what I was doing. And right. I actually was thrust into a, a VP level role at a small company that was a government contractor. Right. And we had 12 people on staff mm-hmm. and they were all traditional salespeople. I was the only person on staff that was an engineer that was put in sales because I was going to quit the company if I didn't, you know, and they were like, here, just try sales for a while. So literally I'm the only one out of 12 and I'm killing it. I'm crushing the sales numbers of all of these other people. And so they're like, what are you doing differently? And I was like, well, I just know the customer. I understand. I understand what they're going through. Exactly. And And you coming from an engineering background, you could see where the painful parts of their challenges were. Yeah. And so we fast forward. I literally fired everyone on the team, all the salespeople. We went from 12 people to three salespeople. And we went from 1 million in revenue to 12 million in 18 months. And I only hired sales uh, uh, engineers. That's it. I'm like, I only want people that are just like me. And we all just understood the customer so well, we could have those conversations and just skyrocket the revenue. And so it, it was it was crazy. And, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things that I, I'll, I'll t- I want to touch on before we move on to cultivating relationships, which I think is, is huge, is something I see in the small business world all the time is people think revenue equals success. Oh, absolutely. And, and I, I, did, I didn't want to move on from selling without saying that's not true. Just it is because, not true. Yeah, just because you're making one or five or $10 million doesn't mean you're profitable. 
you know, I've seen a lot of multi-million. In fact, one of the companies that I first worked for early on, when I got there, they were 50 million in revenue was how much they were making a, a, annually. Within two years, they were at 10. Uh, and, and this was uh, like literally within months of me being there, I found they had over the last two years had gone there. Um, but 50 to like 10 million in revenue and it was declining and yet, but they hadn't changed their payroll. They hadn't changed all these other things. And so they were this multi-million dollar business that had this huge overhead, this monster, and it was just sucking all of the cash out of them. And, you know, when you're small, you obviously don't have millions of, of dollars for, for all of those kind of things. But I see so many people when they're just starting out in business, they go, they hire an admin. They hire a marketing person. They hire a salesperson. And I'm like, where are you at on revenue? Exactly. And and they're like, well, you know, we're not taking a check for ourselves right now. Like, oh, no, this is not cool. (laughs) No, not (laughs) at all. This is not cool. How long can you do that? Uh, You you can't do that very long because some, I don't remember which, uh, it was a podcast I was doing recently. And somebody said, you know, nothing sucks up cash faster than growth when yeah. you're in a growth phase uh it was it was actually mario burgos uh we did one on uh the value of the same organization and he was talking about that he's a guy who's running a hundred plus million dollar company now and in here he's talking about how cash just gets sucked up when you're in a growth phase and, and i use that i use that phraseology all the time growth sucks yeah. cash yeah it, it and it's so true and so you've you've got to be making sure you're profitable while you're going through this in these early stages, not just I'm hitting a revenue target. That's exactly right. And for the pre-profitability firm, I flipped that concept of you have to spend money to make money. And I encourage them to take the mindset that you have to make money to spend money. Mm -hmm. So before you start building all that infrastructure, again, it goes back to that basic fundamental number one, sell something. If no yeah. one's buying from you, then don't build a whole business infrastructure because by the time you get done doing that and you have this tremendous overhead, now you're under pressure to try to persuade someone to buy something that they might not necessarily want and your life is miserable. And right. so I am really a killer when it comes to reducing overhead, eliminating overhead, assessing overhead, determining if the overhead is contributing to your profitability or not. And you have to be ruthless about cutting out those things that are not contributing to the growth and profitability of your company. Wow. And that's why I love this uh, uh, approach so much because it is focused on are you getting to the profitability goals, not just the revenue goals. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it's a huge deal. And, you know, yes. you mentioned earlier owning a franchise. I've owned a franchise. I've coached hundreds of franchises all over the world. And one of the things that is a negative to a lot of franchises is it's also positive. They get together with all these conferences all the time, regional and then annual conferences. And while you're there, you get advice from other franchisees. Mm -hmm. And often the advice you get is bad. Yes. (laughs) You know, because you have to understand, especially the new franchisees don't know what they're doing yet. They, They really don't. And there's so many people, I can't tell you how many times I've run into franchisees who are in this business because they they got an exit package from somewhere else. You know, a company mm-hmm. was either retirement or they were downsized and they got a huge exit package and they go and buy a business basically. 
and they're used to having an administrative assistant into this into that and they have the funds to inject into the business and yet you didn't have that you didn't have those resources but you hear them say you know it's going to be a game changer once you have an admin assistant and two salespeople. And so you think I got to go out and hire an admin assistant and two salespeople, and I've got to go get this software and that software package and this and that. And you, and next thing you know, you've got ten, twelve, fifteen thousand dollars worth of overhead or more that you have no business having because you're trying to keep up with the Joneses, as they say. You're trying to model what that person is doing, yet you're not in their stage. Yes. And and that's the thing we have to understand is it is a correct decision. Is just, is it correct for you in the stage you're in? That's because right. that's where we go wrong all the time as small businesses is trying to make a decision that seems like it's on equal footing when it, it it's not even anywhere near because you're completely different than that person. I always tell people I've worked with Tony Robbins and his team. I've been a, a coach in their business division. And one of the first things Tony will tell you is, my systems work, but they were designed for me. Yes. I yes. designed them for me. And, I and paid, so it, yeah. that's that's just a big deal for me of understanding it was written for that person and their personality. We're all different people and we're all at different stages. So you can't apply everything at at just at the ground level stage. You have to you have to be strategic. This is where, you know, Dr. Barnes, myself, Josh, any other consultant, this is where we come in. To help you understand when you can flip the switch and add that admin assistant, the salesperson, salesperson number two, or whatever it may be, because our focus is on long-term profitability and sustainability of the company. So exactly. I'll get off my soapbox there and let you come. <laughs> well, well, you know, we're on the same soapbox here because that's why I'm so adamant about fundamentals, because when you start looking at what other people are doing, if you don't have some framework of your own to assess the value to you and your company that you will be jumping after the latest shiny object that will cost you money and won't help you move down the path. And that happens not only for small business owners, that happens for huge corporations as well. You know, yeah. vice presidents are going to lunch at the at the local business club and hearing what somebody else is doing with X company and saying, oh, maybe I'll adopt that, you know, that piece of software or whatever it may be. So coming back to the fundamentals, if you really, you know, continue to ask yourself those basic fundamental questions, now you have a framework for assessing whether or not this thing is going to help you or not as you move yeah. forward. Yeah, no, no, that's perfect. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to talk about it here today, but I think knowing your numbers is a big deal. I it always is. harp on, you know, the KPI dashboard, really understanding that. I'm actually, I just shot a video the other day for our members on building a KPI dashboard. I'm doing a webinar on it here in the near future. But being able to understand what are your key performance indicators? What are That's the right. critical numbers in your business that are driving all those things that we're talking about? Because there's, again, this is my last soapbox on the fun, on this piece of the fundamentals, <laughs> is I, I just see too many business owners that focus on feelings versus facts. That's right. And that's and right. I'm like, it's one thing to have a feeling and that's good. You need to have gut feelings that that kind of push you along and you can you can make a business out of I always tell people, you can make a business out of anything. If you're passionate about the Smurfs, you can make a business about it. I that's guarantee right. you. Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, and all trademark rights not belong to me on the Smurfs. But anyway, <laughs> um 
for those for those ears that are listening. But you know, you can make a business out of it, but you have to understand some of these fundamentals. You have to understand your numbers and where you're going, and that's where the facts come in, where you have that's to separate right. feelings from facts to make sure you're going down the right path because that's right. you you want to be able to use the facts to your advantage. So so off of that soapbox and and on to relationships, you know, when when mm-hmm. I when I talk about that one, and the moment you said it, the first thing that popped into my mind was a number. And the number is 51% of my business today comes from our relationships where right. somebody, it's either a partner or some sort of referral or a colleague, and they have referred them into any one of 10 different funnels that we have. Oh, a colleague told me to buy your book. I bought the book. Then I listened to your podcast. A colleague told me to uh, check out this and I did that. And now I'm talking to you. You know, it's it's one of those things where when you connect with people and build this properly, at some point you will start getting what we call this referral business and, you know, where people are reaching out to you because they've heard of you. Exactly. They've heard of you somehow, they, whether it's LinkedIn or whatever it is, you know, because you're connected to this person who's connected to them. And you know, they've somebody shared one of your posts on LinkedIn or wherever it may be. And so to me, this is one of those that probably takes the most time, yet you can initially come in with starting to build relationships and and starting to to grow these networks. And so why don't you just take a minute here, talk a little bit more about cultivating relationships for us. So first of all, business is social and small business is primarily social. Mm. When people buy from you, they're buying from you. They're buying who you are and they're trusting you and they're right. believing. They talk about the no like and trust factor. Yep. So they're, they're, they're trusting that what you have told them you are going to deliver, you're going to deliver. Interestingly enough, here in the Florida area, because I've been all over the country, I grew up in New York and I've seen business done in in many different states. And when you get to the large metropolitan areas, in some cases, business is transactional. Two people feel like they have the goods to help each other accomplish something and they and they get it done. But here in the Florida area, business is primarily relational. And there's some reasons for that, which I won't go into the background behind it. So it takes time to build up a functional network of people who will take yeah. your call, who will refer you to others, who will support your your business and, and, and promote you and, do, and be an ambassador and an advocate for you. And so when it comes to cultivating relationships as a business fundamental, you have to be purposeful and intentional. You have to look at your company and say, who are my preferred customers and clients? What is the criteria by which I measure that they are a preferred customer or client? Who is the decision maker in that business and who are they connected to? And how can I get myself in front of them so that I can have a conversation? And now you're really focusing because the alternative to that and what I see so many small business owners do is they take whatever comes their way. Hmm. Whatever comes into their pipeline, they accept it, and they end up with some of the most horrible clients you could ever imagine, you know, for them. And they're they're struggling, they're putting in long hours, and they're not making any money. Whereas when you start looking at those preferred clients, you understand their problem, you understand their pain, you come to them with solutions that relieve their pain, that's cultivating relationships. That's making those connections that you talked about earlier, 
know know your people, know who they are. Mm. And then when you're successful at solving people's problems, then the word of mouth just takes off. And, yeah, it, and it people does. start telling other people about you. Yeah, it really does. And, you know, while this is a long term game, there are ways to accelerate it. Yes. And, you know, the biggest thing, the biggest tip I could give people, if you're listening to this and you're trying to figure out how do I accelerate relationships, understand it's not about you. Yes. If, if you can make everything about them, you're going to take it to a whole nother level. Now you're, you're hearing that and going, yeah, I get yes. it. <laughs> Give me an example. Okay. So here's an example. When I first started my coaching business back in the day, uh, I joined one of these groups, their local networking groups called BNI business networking international. I've been in BNI. Yep. And so when I joined, uh, they told me, Hey, it's going to take you, you know, a year or so to get really established and it's going to be slow and don't expect to make a whole lot of money. And, um, one of the six months in one of the regional managers came in and say, Hey, you know, how you doing? And, oh, you've been in here about six months now. So, you know, you're probably about the point where you start actually making some profit off this. And I said, nah, I've made 60 grand in the first six months I've been here. And he's like, he just stopped him in his tracks. And he's like, how, how in the world did you do that? How did you pull that off? And I said, well, here's what I did. You know, they recommended that over the course of the year, you take the time to have lunch, uh, maybe once a month or so with at least one person from the group. It's not what I did. I had lunch with at least five people from the group every week from, for my first several months. And there you go. And at the end of the meeting or the lunch meeting, they would always say, gosh, I feel like I just talked about me for an hour. Why don't we meet next week, have lunch again, and you can tell me what you do. Mm -hmm. And that happened every single lunch. And we go back and, you know, at the meeting, you're supposed to stand up and there's, you know, there's 60 people in the group. You're supposed to stand up and say, hey, I'm Mike, I'm with RSM, I'm a business coach, and these are the types of clients I'm looking for and all that type of stuff. You have up to a minute to say that. I would stand up every week and say, hi, my name is Mike. I'm a business coach. I'm looking to have lunch with five people this week from the group. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that was it. And, and that's all I would do. And mm -hmm. so that's what I did. And, you know, when you sit there and you just talk to them and learn about what's going on and I would say, oh, you're having a problem with payroll. You know, I know a guy mm -hmm. who can help, help you with your payroll issue. Let me connect you. That's I know right. A guy, I know a, a gal who could help you with this. And I would just do that. Oh, you're having a problem with it. Why don't you try this? And next week when we have lunch, tell me how that went. And next thing you know, every meeting, people would get up in their 60 seconds and say, I had lunch with Mike last week and it changed my life. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you know, and that's what was going on. And so, you know, that's how you make it all about them. And instead of looking at it and saying, I need to have lunch once a week. How can you have four or five or every lunch every day with a somebody that could help you grow your network, you know, whoever it may be. And so there's Michael Port, who um, I, I think is a phenomenal speaker. He's yes. written some really good books. He has mm -hmm. the one book about, uh, you know, never eat lunch alone, or that's his one yep. tip in, in his book. And, you know, that's just I, I kind of got that early on in my business, you know, just yep. always meeting with people and learning yep. about what's going on in their world and flipping the script because I am a naturally an introvert. I actually don't like networking. I don't like any of those types of things. So because it's always the whole, hey, here's my business card. 
Give me right. your business card. Okay, let's you know awkwardly throw business cards away at the end. You know, I, I didn't like that. So I even stopped giving business cards out and totally flipped the script on that too. And so it's just one of those things where when you make it all about them, you really do change the game. You and do. So, and you, you said something in there that I want to make sure that we emphasize in. It is the concept of listening. And you can really accelerate the growth of your network if you listen. And it can be difficult because sometimes somebody is saying something and you want to interject and you want to give them something that you know that you think is going to help them. And a lot of times I just bite my tongue. I sit on my yeah. thumbs and yeah. I just say I'm, I'm, I'm going to to very actively and purposefully listen. And that makes such a big difference. And sometimes people will work themselves through a significant problem or challenges, challenge that they're having just by talking to you. And at the end yeah. of the conversation, they go. You are so thank smart. You. That was yeah, the greatest you. conversation I've ever had. And it yeah, just yeah. raises your esteem in their mind. And then when they start looking for someone to solve a problem or to help one of their friends solve a problem, the first person that comes to mind is you. Yeah. Yeah. They, you'll hear, you're such a good listener. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yes. You know? and, yeah. and like you're, you're right on, you know, they just kind of work out the problem. And so, you know, I, I think there, man, there's so many things we, we could probably dive through mm-hmm. And give each one of these fundamentals their own podcast. You yes, know, and, and pro- <laughs> probably multiple podcasts because again, the fundamentals. If if you're listening to this and you're not catching on to this, let me just say it bluntly: the fundamentals are really the essence of your business. If you can really ground yourself in the fundamentals, you can do anything in your business. That's and not right. only that, you can apply it to any business. We always talked about this in the coaching franchise about there's there's five major areas of your business and if you understand these you can understand that that blueprint is actually underneath every business so you can run any type of business whether it's yes. service based product based Egg. it doesn't matter exactly it just doesn't blueprint, matter roadmap yes whatever you want to call it you know yes. there, there's this underlying factors that are there that mm-hmm. allow every business to be successful and once you get it you got it and that allows people like myself, Dr. Barnes here, to be able to go into any business and say, you're the expert in XYZ industry. I'm the expert in business. That's exactly right. And that's what I tell them. I say, you know, you're the master of your craft. I'm the master of strategy and organization. Yeah. And together, we're going to co-create a path that leads you to the profitability that you set out to achieve when you got into this game. Yeah, exactly. And that is so powerful because that's that's where your expertise can come in and just accelerate them to a whole nother level and open their eyes to to all of these things and so you know to me i i don't want to downplay this because i think being resourceful is probably my number one fundamental it's probably my my biggest one i've been so resourceful at things online that are free or cheap or whatever or you know different resources that allowed me in my early days to get past a lot of those pre-profitability stages. And I, I think it's super important. We just don't have enough time to talk about it today. I know, I know. It's it, it, so, um, so, so maybe you hit, hit one high note on that one and, and then we'll wrap things up for us today. So as I studied these 75 uh, business owners in that pre-profitability stage, 
I, sh- I went back and forth between research and resourcefulness. And I mentioned that I selected research because it had to be teachable and learnable. Hmm. And sometimes resourcefulness cannot be directly teachable and learnable. But if yeah. you figure out how to find information, then you learn how to connect the dots. And resourcefulness is all about connecting the dots and seeing things that other people they they look at, but they don't see. There's a difference right. between looking and seeing, and you start to see things and see opportunities. And I will tell you, these 75 entrepreneurs who became successful, they set the stage for their future success by based on resourcefulness. Man, they were so incredibly resourceful. So really begin to think about how to become resourceful in your area of, of, um, of business and I tell you, you will accelerate past all of your peers. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Totally agree with that. And it has been, like I said, such a, a big factor for myself over the years. So, again, I don't want to downplay that one. I think it's so important. And maybe we'll come back and we'll just do a podcast on how to be resourceful, you know, because, it, again, I, I, it has changed my career. Yes. Yeah. For, same. For, for same sure. here. So you know, and so, when you don't have all the money, all the people, all the time uh, available, that's the thing that's going to con- uh, enable you to continue to progress uh, purposefully yep. um, towards your profitability. Absolutely. Yep. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so thanks for coming on today and talking to me about all this. I think it's been really powerful. We covered a lot of ground. There's still a lot of ground more to cover, but but thanks for coming on today and talking with me about all this. It's been awesome. Oh, it's been absolutely my pleasure. I knew we were going to have a really great time uh, talking about these things. And so I'm, I'm really pleased to have had that opportunity. Thank you. Before we get out of here today, I want to ask you a couple of questions. Do you want to get more out of your government contracting business? Do you feel like you need an edge or some new insights? Are you just looking for maybe even some motivation in the right direction because maybe you're at a plateau? Well, if you said yes to any of those, maybe it's time you join Federal Access and you can start your journey with us today for free. Federal Access is our online training and education knowledge base for government contractors. There's everything you'll ever need to win government contractors in there, including support. But free members can start out with a couple of really basic awesome tools. One of them is our on-demand training videos called Strategy Playbooks. There's more than 60 training videos designed to boost your government skills by covering tips, strategies, market updates, and a whole lot more. And new videos are added monthly. So there's always new content coming in for our free members there. You can also get access to 12 key government sales templates and strategy documents to include a step-by-step market sales strategy document, a teaming and subcontracting questions to ask document and two capability statement templates. So you can just plug in your information and rock and roll from there. So those, uh, those tools right there are kind of a preview of everything that's in federal access. Overall, there's a little over 250 documents in the system right now, but you'll get access to those 12 key documents. You'll get access to the, the 60 plus playbooks and the growing library of that is all you have to do is visit federal access.com forward slash join. Uh, the link is also going to be in the description of this podcast. So you can go back later and click on that, but that's federal access.com 
forward slash join. So again, if you're feeling stuck in your business, if you feel like you need an edge or some new insights, or you just feel like maybe there's some gaps of knowledge that you 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 just you don't even know what you don't know, right? Something along those lines, then join Federal Access today for free, federal-access.com forward slash join. Join today for free so you can get access to all of that cool content and see everything else in there that some of the paid members get. So you actually, there'll just be a little gold lock over the paid features and you can upgrade uh, whenever you like. Until next time, thanks for joining us on this episode of Game Changers for Government Contractors. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting app to get notifications of new episodes. And while you're there, we would also appreciate it if you'd take a minute to write us an honest review on iTunes or whatever podcasting app that is that you use. So thank you again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next time for lessons from our experts on how you can win more government contracts. Thanks for listening to Game Changers for Government Contractors. For a full list of episodes and other resources, be sure and check us out on the web at www.rsmfederal.com slash gamechangers.